Chapter 18 of Humorous Ghosts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Smith. Humorous Ghost Stories. Selected by Dorothy Scarborough. The Ghost That Got the Button. By Will Adams. One autumn evening, when the days were shortening and the darkness fell early on Hotchkiss, and the frost was beginning to adorn with its fine, glistening lace, the carbine barrels of the night centuries as they walked post, Sergeants Hanson and Whitney and Corporal Whitehall had come to Stone's room after supper, filling the need common to all men in the first cold nights of the year for a cozy room, a good smoke, and congenial companionship. The steam heat, newly turned on, wheezed and whined through the radiator. The air was blue and dense with tobacco smoke. The three sergeants reposed in restful, if inelegant, attitudes, and Whitehall, his feet on the window sill, and his wooden chair tilted back, was holding forth between puffs at a very battered pipe about an old colored woman who kept a little saloon in town. So she got mad at those K-troop men he said, and next day when Turner stopped there for a drink, she says, You get out of here. You men from de arsenic with de crossbones on your caps, I ain't letting you in. But de medical corpses and de non-efficient officers, they may come in. The laugh that followed was interrupted by the approach of a raucous shrieking noise that rose and fell in lugubrious cadence. What the deuce, exclaimed Whitehall, starting up. That's Bill, exclaimed Stone. Bill Sullivan. He thinks he's singing. Funny you never heard him before, kid. But then he's not often taken that way. Thank the Lord. Come in, Bill, he called. And tell us what's the matter. You feel sick? Where's the pain? He asked as Big Bill appeared in the doorway. Come in, hombre, and rest yourself, invited Whitney and hospitably handed over his tobacco pouch. What was that tune y'all were singing out yonder? Thanks, responded Bill, settling down. That there tune was, I wonder where you are tonight, my love. Sounded like sister's teeth are plugged with zinc, commented Whitney. Or looking through the knot hole in Papa's wooden leg, said Whitehall. Or he won't buy the Ashman a manicure set, added Stone. No reiterated Bill, solemnly. It was like I told you. I wonder where you are tonight, my love. And it's a corker, too. I seen a feller in a gold singing it in Kelly's vaudeville palace out to Cheyenne. Unked, first he'd sing one voice, and then he'd, she'd sing the next. He was dressed like a soldier, and while he sang, they was showing tabloids of what the gull was doing behind him. And then when she sang her voice, he'd be in the tabloid, and when it got to the last voice, and he was dying on a stretcher in an ambulance, everybody in the house was a-crying, so you could hardly hear her. It was great. My, continued Bill, spreading out his great paws over the radiator. Ain't this the snappy evening? Real cold. Somehow it minds me of the cold we had in China, that time of the boxes after we'd got to the legations. The nights was cold, just like this. Why, Bill, said Whitney, 
I never knew y'all were there then. Why did you never tell us before? What were you with? Fourteenth Infantry, responded Bill, proudly. It's a great old regiment. Don't care if they are doughboys. What company was you in? inquired Hanson, ponderously, taking his pipe from his mouth and breaking silence for the first time. J Company, same as this. At this reply, Stone opened his mouth abruptly to say something, but thought better of it and shut up again. It was blame cold them nights, a week or so after we was camped in the Temple of Agriculture. That's what they called it. I don't know why. But say, the heat coming up from Tinston was frying. It was just boiling, baking, and bubbling. Worse a heat than anything we'd had in the islands. We chuckled away most every last thing on that hike but canteens and rifles. I was a darn fool thing to do. The chucking was a course, but it come out all right, cause the extra supplies followed us up on the pie hole in junks. Ain't that a funny name for a river? Pie hole? Every time I got homesick, I'd say that river, and then I'd see Hogan's Diary lunch for ladies and gents on the old Bulvery, and hear the kid Mick Hogan yelling, Jaw one in the dark, white wings, let her flop, pie hole. Ain't it helped me a heap? Bill settled himself and stretched. But what I really wanted to tell you's about, said he, was something that happened one o oh, these dear cold nights. It gets almighty cold there in September, and it was sure the spookiest show I ever seen. Even Mom Haggerty's table wrappings in Hester Street never come up to it. There was three of us fellows who ran in a bunch them days. Me and Buck Dugan, my bunkie from the bowery like me, he was a corporal, and Ranch Fields, we called him that cause he always walked on a ranch before he come into the 14th. They was great fellas, Buck and Ranch was. Buck, now you couldn't phase him. You couldn't never phase him. No matter what sort of job you put him up against, he'd slide through slick as a greased rat. The captain, he knew it too. Unked when we was fighting and hadn't no men to spare, he'd left Buck on guard over about twenty-five box of prisoners in a courtyard, and tells him he doesn't let one escape, but Buck wants to get into the fight with the rest of the boys, and when he finds that if he leaves them, Chinoo's loose in the yard alone till they'll get out plenty quick. What does he do but tie tight up by their pigtails to some posts? He knows they can't undo them tight, tight knots backwards. Ain't no chink would cut his pigtail if he did have a knife. He'd die first. And so Buck skidoos off to the fight, and sure enough, when the captain wants them boxers, they're ready tied up and waiting. That was his sort of gee, but he was smart. We was all right interested in them allies, of course, and watched them close, but Bill says Buck to me one night it's been working in me nut that there, these here fellers ain't so different from what we know already, except for their uniform and outfits. We've met em all before, but the Japs, why, look a here, says he, first there's the white men, the English, ain't they just like us except that they're thicker and we're longer, and they're engine niggers. Ain't we seen their clothes 
in the comic operas and them without their clothes in the monkey cage at Central Park and that Hong Kong China regiment and all the other Chinos is just the same as you meet in the pipe joints in Mott Street. Then, says he, come all the dagos. These leather necks of macaroni dagos we've seen all swarming all over Mulberry Bend and Five Points. The sauerkraut dagos looks for all the wood like they was going to a shitson fest up by a high bridge. The froggy dagos you'll find packed in them Frenchy restaurants in the 30s where you get blue wine and them vodka dagos only needs a push cart to make you think you're in Baxter Street. Buck, he could sure talk. But Ranch, he wasn't much on Chin Chin. Little and dark and quiet, he was uh, and just crazy for dogs. Any old mud would do for him, just so's it was in the shape of a pup. He was fair wild for him. He picked up a yellow cur out there the day after the Yankston fight, and that there no account mangy flea bitten mutt had to stay with us the whole time. If the pup didn't stand in me and Buck and Ranch, he swore he'd quit too. So we had to let him come, and he messed and bucked with our outfit right along. Ranch named him Daggett, after the Colonial, which was right hard on the CEO, but I bet Ranch thought he was complimenting him. Why, Ranch considered himself honored if any of the pup's fleas hopped off on him. The pup, he kept along with us right through everything ranch watched him like the apple of his eye and uh, he hardly ever was out of all sight till one night about a week after we quartered in the temple he didn't turn up for supper he was always so regular at his chow that ranch began to get the squirms and when come taps and daggett hadn't reported ranch had the razzle dazzles next morning the f first thing he must go hunt that pup and went a scoutin all day, me and Buck helpin him, but nary pup and come another supper without that miserable mutt and ranch was up and alley all right, all right, he was all wore out, and I made him hit the bunk early and try ter sleep, but Lord, no sooner he drop off and he get ter twitchin and hitchin and wake up a yelpin for Daggett long bout taps. Buck, who's been out on a private reconnaissance, comes back and whispers to me, Bill, the cur's found. Don't tell Ranch. The bloke died of heart failure. I struck his trail and followed it, and say, Bill, what in your thunder do yer think? Them heathen chinos has at him. Lord, now wouldn't that jolt use? Them chinos a eatin' Daggett? It give me an awful jar. And Buck, he felt it, too, that their mutt had acted right decent, and we knew Ranch would have bats in the belfry for a fair if he hold till all the pups finish. So says Buck, let's not tell him, cause he's taken on now like he'd lost mother and father, and best going on, if he knew Daggett was providing chow for chinos, he'd go clean bug house, and we'd have to ship him home to St. Elizabeth. I says, okay, ter that. We made it up not ter let on ter ranch, and now here comes the spook part you're been a waiting fer. Four or five nights later, I was on guard, and my post was the farthest out we'd had on the north. 
there was an old road out over that way and i'd hauled till it led to a graveyard but i hadn't never been there myself and hadn't that thought much about it till long between two and three o'clock as i was a-hiking up and o and down when something comes a-sizzin' down the road hell for leather on to me a yellin' something fierce gee but i was skeered i made sure it was a spook and there wasn't a bit o breath left in me i was all to the bad that time for sure before i had time to think even that screamin', streakin' thing was on me and a-grabbin' round my knees, and then I see it was one of old in there Christian chinos, and he's scared more'n me even. His eyes had popped clean out in their slits, and his tongue was hangin' out by the roots. He was that locoed. I raised a long yell for corporal of the guard, which happened by good luck to be buck, and when he come a-runnin', thinkin' from the whoops I give, he was bein' rushed by the whole push of boxers. The two of us began prodding at the chink to find out what was doing. Took us some time, too, with him being in such a flutter and hardly able to even hand out his darn old pigeon English. That sounds like language coming out of a sausage machine. When we did savvy his line of old chop suey talk, we found out he'd seen a ghost in the graveyard. And not only seen it, but he knew who the spook was and all about him. He was getting some serious ourselves and made him tell us. Seems it was a Mandarin. That's a sort of chink police court judge. Till I got to her tensed and I always thought they was little oranges. And this tangerine's, I mean Mandarin's, name was Wu Ti Ming Ang. He'd been a high mucky muckracker in his day, which was two or three hundred years back. But the emperor caught him deep in some sort of old graft and took away his button and all of his dough. Lord says, Buck, when we come her to this, don't that prove what heathen's chinks is? Only one button to keep on their clothes with, and the emperor, he can take it away. What did this here Judge Ming do then, John? Use string or pins? This here John didn't seem ter savvy, but he said that the Mandarin took on so fur his button and his loss of pull in the ward that it was sure sad ter see and by and by the emperor got busy again with him and had him finished up for keeps had him die the death of a thousand cuts says john it sounded fierce to me but buck he says Psh, anybody's been shaved regular by them lady barbers on fourth avenue would a give the emperor that merry ha-ha after ming was cut up they took the remains of his corpse and planted him in this here graveyard up the road but he wouldn't stay planted and began doing stunts at night topside walkie walkie and a hunting for his lost button he'd used to have the whole country scared up but for the last twenty years he'd kept right quiet and hardly ever come out but now since the foreign devils come ain't that a sweet name first he's up and at it again worse than ever and the heathens is on their ear for four nights now they'd seen him wrapped in a blue robe waiting and hunting behind tombstones and a walking round and round the graveyard lies six days raced for the belt at madison square john had just seen him on the wall and that was why he come charging down the road like forty cats 
will mr ming spurt walk till he gets that button back buck asks john says sure well says buck why don't you give him one no can give only emperor only son of heaven give well look here says buck we sand rabbits ain't no sons of heaven but i'll be darned if we couldn't spare a button ter lay the ghost of a poor busted police court judge who's lost his job and his tin if that's all he wants back what time does he come out at john could we see him ter merle night sure could we says john he'll show us the way but he won't be wait with us he's bad enough for his so buck takes john and goes back to the guard shack as it's most time for relief and after i got back we told john to get the hook and we talked things over and buck he was just wild to see if he couldn't lay that china ghost his talents was aching to get action on him anything like that got up his buck says i maybe ranch can help well tell him ter morrow after guard mount i'll take his mind off a of daggett no yer don't says buck don't yer dale tell him he's nervous as a cat over the pup as it is and this spook business is awful skeery i'm feelin woozy over it myself the remains of his corpse and planted him in this here graveyard up the road but he wouldn't stay planted and begin doing stunts at night topside walkie walkie and a hunting for his lost button he'd used to have the whole country scared up but for the last twenty years he'd kept right quiet and hardly ever come out but now since the foreign devils come ain't that a sweet name for us he's up and at it again worse than ever and the heathens is on their ear for four nights now they'd seen him wrapped in a blue robe waiting and hunting behind tombstones and a walking round and round the graveyard lies six days raced for the belt at madison square john had just seen him on the wall and that was why he come charging down the road like forty cats well mr ming spurt walk till he gets that button back buck asks john says sure well says buck why don't you give him one no can give only emperor only son of heaven give well look here says buck we sand rabbits ain't no sons of heaven but i'll be darned if we couldn't spare a button ter lay the ghost of a poor busted police court judge who's lost his job and his tin if that's all he wants back what time does he come out at john could we see him ter merle night sure could we says john he'll show us the way but he won't be wait with us he's bad enough for his so buck takes john and goes back to the guard shack as it's most time for relief and after i got back we told john to get the hook and we talked things over and buck he was just wild to see if he couldn't lay that china ghost his talents was aching to get action on him anything like that got up his buck says i maybe ranch can help well tell him ter morrow after guard mount i'll take his mind off a of daggett no yer don't says buck 
don't your dad tell him he's nervous as a cat over the pup as it is and this spook business is awful skeery i'm feeling woozy over it myself i'm all off when it comes to a ghost that is if it's a real ghost and things here in perkin is so funny the odds is all in favor of its being the sure thing i ain't afraid of oh no kinds o people but i sure get cold feet when i'm up against a ghost wouldn't that jaw use and me a soldier when it's a soldier's whole business not to get cold feet but i'm bound i'll have a show at that old spook even if it does scare me out of oh my growth only don't yer dare tell ranch next night right after eleven o'clock rounds me and buck slipped out of our blankets sneaked out past the guard met john he was waiting for us in the road just beyond where the last century would have seen him it was cold as get out just the same kind of old early cold as tonight and john's teeth was a chattern like peas in a box he was some loco with skeer too you bet which way says buck and john spouts a lot o dope joint lingo and takes us up a side alley where there's a whole bunch of old chinos waiting for us and they begin a kowtowing and going on like we was a whole cheese turned out that john had jollied em that the mexican soldier man's was big medicine and would make judge ming quit the midnight hiking and cut out scaring them blue that just suit buck he was all there when it come to play commander-in-chief he swelled up and give him a bundle of old talk that john put in china for him and then finished up by showing him a button a old united states army brass button he'd cut off his blue blouse and told him he was going to bury it in ming's grave so as to keep him bedded down and them simple idiots was pleased to death and the whole outfit escorted us over to the graveyard but they shed at the gate lord i hated to see em go even if they was heathens and let john take us in and show us where to wait he put us in behind a pile o little rocks in about the middle o the place near where judge ming hung out and then retired on the main body at the double leaving us two in outpost alone here together i had never been to a chino burying ground before and night time wasn't extra pleasant for a forced introduce there was a new moon that night a little shaving of a thing that hardly gave no light and from where we was there was a twisty pine tree branch that struck out right across it like a picture card two for five the graveyard was all dark and quiet with little piles o rocks and stone tablets to mark the graves and a four or five foot wall running all round it and somehow without nothing stun at all the whole blame place seemed chock full o moving shadows there wasn't a sound neither not the last little thing just them shadows and the harder used to look at em the more they seemed to move it was cold too like i told you bitten cold and me and buck squatted there tight together in moist freeze we waited and we waited and we waited and we got skirter and skirter and skirter and gee how we shivered 
Every minute we thought we'd see Judge Ming, but a long time went by, and he didn't come, and he didn't come. There we sit, strung up tight and ready to snap like a banjo string, but nothing to see but the shaking shatters and nothing to hear, nothing but just dead, dead silence. All of a sudden, Buck, he can hear a pin drop a mile away. Nearly nips a piece out in my arm as he grips me. Listen, says he. I listened and listened, but I didn't hear nothing, and I told him so. Yes, you do, you bloke, you, he whispers. Listen, strain your ears. Then way off, I did begin to hear something. It was a long, funny, wailing cry, so like the way cats holler at each other at night. Oh, 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 like that. And it come near and near. Then all of a sudden, something popped up on the graveyard wall about a hundred yards away. Something all blue-gray against the hook of the moon and began walking up and down and hollering. I knew it was saying words, but I was so far to the bad I didn't know nothing and couldn't make it out. I never thought a fella's heart could bang so hard against his ribs without busting out. And me, hair ribs so high, me camping hat was three inches off, and me had a hope to the Lord I'll never be so frightened again in all my living days. I sat there in a trance from fear and fright, sir, the spot I don't know nothing Oh, what Buck was doing. As my lamps was glued to the spook, it jumped down from the wall calling and whistling and began running round the little stone heaps. I seen it was coming our way, but I couldn't move. My lamps was glued to the spook. It jumped down from the wall, calling and whistling, and began running round the little stone heaps. I seen it was coming our way, but I couldn't move or make a sound. I just sit. All of a sudden, Buck, he jumps up, makes a dash, and a leap at the spook, and there's a terrible yelling, and they both comes down crash at the foot of a rock pile rolling on the little pebbles. But Buck is on top, and the spook underneath, and letting off the most awful skeeches. Gosh, they just ripping the air. Them spooks yells did, and they did turn my spell loose, and I hauled for all I was worth. Then Buck, he commenced to yawping, too. But me and the spook, we was both raising so much noise, I didn't savvy what he said for some time. Then I found he was cussing me out. Come here, you forsaken. He howls. Quit yelling, I say. Quit yelling. Don't yer see who this is? Come here and help me. You think I'm going to protect that Ming spook? I shrieks. You miserable loony, he yells back. Can't yer see it ain't no Ming? It's ranch. Well, so it was. It was ranch, scared stiff and hollering for dear life at me and jumped on and waked up in the middle of a graveyard that a way poor old fellow had had daggered on his mind and went sleepwalking and hunting wrapped in his blanket. And says Buck to me, if yous hadn't been in such a dope dream with Skeer, you'd a sensed what he was yelling. He was calling, Oh, oh, here, Daggett, here, boy. And then he'd whistle and call again, Here, Daggett, here, Daggett. That's how I knew it was Ranch. And besides, he told me, Yonked, that he sleepwalked when he got worried, but you, you white-livered, and then he cussed me out some more. Smarty, I says, if you knew so blame well it was ranch, 
why did you give him the flying tackle like you done and get him all woked up like this well says buck sort of sheepy i was some woked up myself and time he come along i gave him the spook's tackle without thinking i was too scared to think hush ranch hush old boy it's just me and bill no nobody shan't hot ya he comforted the poor old ranch and fixed him up and then when he felt better told him about things all oh, but how daggett was it um i wrapped his blanket around him and took him back to her quarters while buck went a-looking for john and his gang he found em about half a mile off in front of a malt street joss house all praying and bunning punk and huddled together scared green from the yellings that they'd heard buck he gave him a long chin chin about laying the ghost and how judge ming wouldn't ever come back no more and then he dragged em all back they pulling at the halter shanks with years lied lead back and eyes a rolling to him bury his united states button on ming's rock pile he dropped it in the solemn and said what the chinks took ter be a prayer but he was really the oath he said buck having been a recruiting sergeant knew it by heart all the way from i do solemnly swear to so help me god but says i oughta seen them grateful chinos then they'd a give him the whole chino empire if they could they got down and squirmed and kissed his hands and his feet and sleeve they wanted to escort him back to her camp but he bucked at that and said no as he was out without pass and not itching for his arrival to be noticed none after that we took tins watchin ranch at night and got him another much or love and he didn't want her any more so judge ming seemed satisfied with his united states button and kept quiet but them chinks was the gratefulest gang you're ever seen they brought us presents things to eat fruit poultry eggs and all sorts of chow some of it mighty funny looking but it tasted all right we lived high we three the other fellows was wild ter know how we woked it and i tell yer i ain't never been scared old ghost since that is not ter speak of much bill paused drew a long breath and looked at the clock gee said he most nine o'clock i got ter go over ter k troop ter see sergeant keith a minute i promised him adios fellers thanks for the smoking keep the change hombre thanks for your tail shouted whitney after him as he disappeared down the hall well said stone and looked at hansen well responded hansen the big swede shook with laughter is he not the finest lie yes i was in the fourteenth myself that was my company che he was not even the army in then in nineteen hundred yes said stone i knew but i was going to spoil his bloomin yarn i happened to see his enlistment card only this morning and the only thing he was ever in before was the twenty-third infantry after they came back from the islands he's never even been out of the states but where did he get it from asked whitney his imagination is equal to most anything but getting so many facts straight of course i noticed things ya and there but the most of it was okay i tell you said hansen grinning he got it from an old fourteenth man 
Dan Powis at a practice camp last July. He and I was often talking of China. He was in my old company and was then telling me how he and the other fellers all that extra chow got. I think, Bill, he has got, got a good memory. But the nerve of him, cried Whitehall, trying to pass that off on us with Hanson sitting right there. It is one thing he may have forgot, smiled Hanson. Well, who cares anyway, said Stone. It was a blame good story, and now clear out, all of you. I want to hit the bunk. Revel does seem to come so early these cold mornings. Gee, I wish I knew of some kind of button that would keep me lying down when Shorty wants me to get up and call the roll. Ghost that got the button. End of chapter 18. Recording by John Smith.